This is the Workin' With series, presented by your host, Hayley Sudbury. Listen in each month to find out who we're working with. Hayley sits down with some of the world's most exciting leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the companies they love, their definition of success, and the real secret behind it all, their superpower. So I am here today with Anne Bowden, founder and CEO of Starling Bank, someone who has jumped from traditional banking and is now a disruptor herself, creating a mobile-first bank. Thanks for having me today, Anne. Thank you. Um, we're in the offices, and it's uh, certainly different to your uh, traditional banking offices. feels uh, a little bit more edgy and contemporary, and there's definitely a, a lack of suits, which is always refreshing. Yeah, hardly any suits here at all. So, Anne, why don't you tell us a little bit about Starling Bank? Well, Starling Bank is a new entrant bank. We're the very first mobile bank to deliver current accounts into the UK market. We're all about providing people with the tools they need to conduct their everyday banking. So if you have a Starling account, you have a debit card, you have access to faster payments. And what we do is give you all the tools in your mobile so that you can understand how you're spending and where you're spending. And we then allow you to share that data with um, partners that you choose as a customer. And these partners sit in our marketplace and we allow you to connect with those marketplace vendors, providers of services in a very secure way. Lots of people have great ideas and I certainly remember my time in, in corporate where people will look at something and see an opportunity or a process improvement. There's always a lot of talk about doing something different. But what was the turning point for you that actually made Starling Bank a reality? Well, I'd been in traditional banking and in digital and in technology for 30 odd years. And I came to the conclusion that we'd gone in and out of the financial crisis and nothing much had changed. And I went around the world talking to people, figuring out what retail bankers were doing to make customers' lives better and came to the realization that I couldn't do it in a traditional bank. I had to do it by starting from scratch. And that's why I quit my job to start a new bank. The financial crash obviously had a huge impact and you've already mentioned it on, on customers' relationships with the banking sector. What are some of the key takeaways that have informed the way that you do business at Starling? Well, technology had changed. Whilst the bankers were really, really focused on you know, getting their organisations out of the financial crisis, the world had changed. Technology had changed. People were shopping in a different way. They were using Amazon. People were buying music in a different way. But banking hadn't really changed. Customers deserved choice. They were using Google to select the best products, and they couldn't use all the great technology out there to make their financial lives better. And we at Starling decided that what we were going to do was to bring a lot of that great technology to financial services, to banking for the first time. What didn't you know when you first started out? And this probably first started out with Starling because I do recognise, you know, working for a corporate and then doing your own thing are entirely different journeys. But what didn't you know at the beginning of that Starling journey that you wish you would now? And, and how would you do things differently as a, a result of that? I was a first-time founder quite late in my career. So I had a lot of experience of doing things in big organizations. And I think when I started off this journey, I was going to replicate some of the models that I'd used in, in the traditional world. 
but they don't work as an entrepreneur. No. It's very, very different. And I was learning as I was going along. When I started, I thought it would be relatively easy to raise money because I'd raised lots of money for big corporate acquisitions. You know, I was used to raising hundreds of millions. You know, raising less money is more difficult. I also had the impression that because the regulator said it was six months to process your license application, it would take six months. <laughs> but it didn't. It took two and a half years. It took us months and months and months to get ready to, to submit an application. So, yep, it, it, is, it is much more difficult than we ever thought. I think, you know, having worked in corporates as well, I mean, my rule of thumb here is everything takes about roughly three times as long, even on the most conservative forecasts. But it might even be longer, really. <laughs> Who was it that championed you along the way? I think that if it wasn't for the big consulting firms, actually, who believed in the concept, believed in the idea, and who gave me sort of resource early on, Starling wouldn't be here now. I was fortunate in lots of people, well, was I fortunate or was I, did I sell the idea? But lots of people heard the idea and said, yeah, we can think the world could look this way. We love the idea of this disruption could really happen. And we'll give a bit of our time to help people one step of the way. And if those people hadn't been as receptive to a world that looks very different to the one we were living in then, then this wouldn't have happened. So can you expand a bit on that and tell us about a pivotal moment? that got Starling to where it is today? I think the big pivotal moments are, um, well, number one, uh, raising our first investment from a gentleman called Harry McPike, who um, saw the potential in the business and really loved the idea of an organisation that would empower customers with data. It was when we had the first signal that our licence was coming through. I was expecting the email that day but didn't expect to find out when I was in a taxi, turned the taxi around, come back into the office whilst we got the champagne out. So um, those those are big days. But I think the biggest day was the day when we went into the app store. And then when you have people downloading the app and, and, and being excited by it. And then the first time you see somebody use a card that you've never met before and you go into a shop and you see somebody paying with a Starling card, that's very exciting. If I came to work for you tomorrow, what, what would be the first thing I'd notice about the way you do things here at Starling? I don't think we do hierarchy. We love people sorting out what the big issues are and solving those issues and making sure that they organize themselves to get things done. We believe that we employ very able, very exciting, very um, individually entrepreneurial people who love their jobs. My job has always been a big, big part of my life. And I'm proud of that. I do not think we should spend our lives in work and have to suffer it. You know, we live in a world nowadays where we should be able to come to work and enjoy it. And I enjoy this and I've enjoyed every other job I've ever had. And therefore, we want everybody to get a lot out of the job. And therefore, we employ people who are going to um, take as much from Starling as they give. And I think you can see people around here 
will give a lot emotionally to Starling as well as taking a lot in terms of learning from starting a bank. So if I went out on the floor, mm. I can see quite a few people sort of kicking around now and I, I asked your team what you're like to work with, what would they tell me? They'd probably say I'm loud and they can hear me laughing. <laughs> um, I think that they'd say I enjoy being involved in everything. They'd probably say that Stalin's my life. If I asked you what your superpower is, mm. what would you tell me? Uh, getting the impossible done. I think that uh, when I started Starling, well, people said to me, you're going to start a bank? And I said, yeah, I'm going to start a bank. And people rarely start banks. And people rarely start banks that look like this one. And people rarely start banks that are so technology focused, that can bring a lot of extra value to customers. Yeah, I think that my superpower is, is enjoying the task of doing something that's difficult. So when it does get difficult or tough, who do you pick up the phone to? Difficult one. I think I pick up the phone to people I've worked with in the past. I think that I get a lot of inspiration from people who I worked with in the past and are now in big roles or entrepreneurs elsewhere. I think that growing leaders and growing people's careers is worthwhile for them and worthwhile for me because I get this network I can use. Starling is a mobile-only challenger bank. How does that affect the demographic of your customer base? Um, it's surprisingly wide. You know, we, we started Starling and it was going to be people in their, you know, sort of 20s and 30s who live their life in their mobile. Uh, people who live their life in their mobile are all sorts of ages. And we have people up until their sort of their 90s and uh, using Starling. And that's really exciting. It's more of an attitude of mind. It's more about people who, who love connecting with other people and use the mobile as that tool. What difference do you think it makes to have more diverse talent leading companies? Oh, so it's so important. I, I am opinionated about the fact that there are fewer and fewer women in, in finance, in technology, as entrepreneurs, um, and it's not getting any better. Um, I was a computer science chemistry graduate back in the early 80s, and there were very few women. But then as you go into the 80s, it got worse. And then we had this big thing about promoting women and it's not getting any better. And it's really, really sad that lots of women are not getting the opportunities and business is not benefiting from having more women in senior positions in fintech and as entrepreneurs. So what do you think is a small thing that maybe large companies can do to help change that or um, even something we could do to encourage maybe more female founders? I think women have to work very hard. I think the standards for women are very, very high. I think that we in corporate life and in all walks of life have to be very, very rigorous ensuring that we apply the same standards to men and women. And we don't subconsciously have sort of subconscious bias that actually demand more from women than men. But the consequence of the way we hire and promote women is that the women who do get to the top, who do get the funding, who do become entrepreneurs are very, very good. And that's why you have the success of those businesses, disproportionately so compared with other businesses. 
What does success look like for you? I mean, you're a first-time founder. You've had a significant traditional career, but you have raised a very large amount of money to bring Starling to life. What is the, the big picture of success for you? I'm very ambitious, and I'm very ambitious for Starling. And everybody has joined Starling to do something that changes financial services forever. I've run big businesses. I've started a business that is groundbreaking. We're doing things that no other companies are doing. I want to give lots of people around the world the opportunity to have a better financial life. And that means that Starling must go global. And we're pulling together a great bunch of people to make that happen. Um, we believe that technology has changed, people have changed, and people deserve a better bank that fits into their life. And we're going to take up that challenge. So any last advice for founders out there who are maybe thinking about leaving the day job and, and starting something different, and it, it may not be in finance, what, what would you say to them? Just keep on going. I think that I had advice from a very senior person who had been very successful both in a corporate life and as an entrepreneur. And I had this advice a few years ago. And he said to me, when things get tough, just keep on going. Because if you keep on going, you get a better chance of getting there. So my advice is most obstacles you can actually overcome, but you won't if you just stop. So be ambitious, go for the big goal and try and change something that's really meaningful. Well, Anne, it's been a pleasure meeting you in your offices today. I wish you every success and only hockey stick growth, as we say to all of the, uh, the founding female entrepreneurs. And I look forward to uh, following your journey. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Working With podcast series. You can find us on iTunes and at workinwith.com. That's W-E-R-K-I-N with.com. Dot